Good evening, everybody. It's another Thursday night, and you know what that means. It's your Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast, and it wouldn't be another week, it seems, these days without more drama in AEW. So we're going to be talking drama, fights, people not liking each other, not getting along, and all kinds of stuff like that. Plus, Extreme Rules is this weekend, so we wouldn't want to forget about that going down in Philadelphia. So buckle in, folks. It's your Big Gold Belt Podcast starting right now. going everybody welcome to your big gold belt wrestling podcast i'm your guy will we got damian g down below from the lone star state and of course the giant crab jamal to the side of me up at the top of the screen how's it going tonight gentlemen the only thing that matters is that willow nightingale got a win on national tv man listen Mm -hmm. in the district no less understand what that means the only thing that matters is that Willow Nightingale got a win on national TV. All those women in there, all of them deserve the spotlight, had the spotlight champions. Willow Nightingale got the pen on national TV. No doubt. No doubt. I was happy to see it. I was cheering last night when I saw it on AEW Dynamite. It was good to see because we tell we talked about it last week. Folks are into Willow Nightingale and they're yes, into they Jamie Hayter. The new faces have some have some interest behind them so maybe maybe people are taking notice we talked about it last week so we'll see where it goes from here because now she's getting a uh, title shot right against uh jade, against jade. Mm-hmm. all right that's right is uh, that's right so uh, at the uh, battle of the belts if i'm correct or is that part of rampage which part of it is uh, it's part? battle of the belts it's okay after 11. so the second hour of action that will be happening tomorrow night in the, the the double whammy from aew as they are visiting us here in the district of columbia so folks yes jamal was there in the building last night so he'll be able to give us some uh on the scene insight as to how the show was last night for uh, dynamite but i guess first before we get into any of that of course it's been an ongoing story for a <laughs> God, what, a month now, two months maybe. It seems have been the, the, the summer has now moved into the fall of like discontent and drama in AEW in different ways. But as they went to air last night, the the the, the social media started blowing up. The TMZ started blowing up with uh, all kinds of news because uh, 
once again, apparently we got some backstage drama. We got fisticuffs going on backstage at an AEW show. So it wouldn't be another week of uh, your big old belt podcast without talking about AEW drama. But this time it's not involving vice presidents. It's not involving uh, the top headliners. It's more of the, the, the middle of the card, but it is involving someone who's no stranger to drama in Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara and Andrade had a uh, quite quite the interesting week between social media exchanges and then it all culminated in a big brouhaha backstage last night in DC. So we're going to get into that to start things off this week. And I'm trying to think where to even start. Should we, should we start with how it ended or should we start with all the start social media stuff? Start from the beginning? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Let's, let's just take it, take it from the beginning. Take it from the beginning. Okay. So... Andrade did an interview, if I'm correct, is where this correct. all started from, is what I'm thinking. So, yes, Andrade did an interview with, was who was it with? It wasn't with like a uh, an outlet in a it was It Mexico, was in Spanish. I, think. I don't know if, I don't remember the name of the outlet, and I, and I should know that, but um, I know that the interview was in Spanish, and I'm pretty, and I'm, no, it's, it was a Lucha-based uh, yeah, because it, it was getting translated. I remember that, seeing the tweets going up and being translated into English. Um, long and short of it for this conversation is it got into a part, you know, they were talking about, you know, his, his situation there. And, you know, he's one of the many people, the few people, I should say, who's been rumored to be unhappy with his status in AEW. And it got into talking about um, if he's had any issues there or any concerns or any drama. And he specifically mentioned that the only person he'd had any trouble working with there was Sammy Guevara, who specifically after a match had supposedly said to him that he was hitting him too hard. And I guess Andrade took it as, you know, what the hell? This is wrestling. This kind of thing happens. And, you know, mm -hmm. you give and you take. And if I'm giving it to you too hard, hey, you know, you... You give it back, and that—that's how we do things. And uh, as he put it, you know, you know, in uh, WWE, no one's complaining about a uh, Sheamus laying into them a hell of a lot harder than probably anything Andrade was doing. It's you know, it's part of the job. There is a physical aspect here. But long and short of it, he mentioned Sammy. That's the main thing. So this interview goes out. We know Sammy has no problems with a. Uh, Making his uh, opinions known, mm -hmm. making his feelings known. So he took to social media. So let me let me find it here. His uh, original thing where this all started. I think the first thing is that's right. I brought it. I put it in weird. What happened on? A, I think it was Monday. I think it was Monday morning. All this really started up. That the first thing he. What was that first tweet he put out? Where he didn't even mention him by name, but it was clear he was responding to it. Where it was a. Uh, I got to go to our group chat and pull it up because I know. Is there something it. about him about Andrade being a, a, a friendship hire? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, was, yeah. that was Sammy's it, response. Um, okay. So, so long and short of it is, is that Andrade goes, does the interview, and he says basically like, "Hey, you know, if I'm in you too hard, uh, number one, don't be a bitch. Number two, uh, you know, give me that receipt because you know this is wrestling. This is what right. we do." Um, and then, of course, uh, the, inter the interview was recorded. It's on the record. It goes out. And Sammy responds like, yo, we never talked. So what are you talking about when I came to you? I we never talked about anything. But since you want to put it out there, you know, fuck you, guy. You can go back to WWE. 
And then right. Andrade went back to like, but when I actually pulled up on you and we talked, had that conversation, you were kind of like, no, nah, it's all good, man. Not trying to start any trouble, man. But since you want to open your beak, I see you Wednesday, little bitch. Yeah. So, yeah. obviously, long and short of it, yeah. But that's the long and <laughs> short of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the very first tweet from Sammy was the simple, you are a jobber, a favor, hire, be grateful, bitch. And then from there, then they started sniping back and forth at each other. But yeah, it, it went back and forth. And what made it interesting was Andrade made it very clear by the end of things, I guess, Monday going into Tuesday. He was like, look, I'm coming to TV this week. I will be there. So, and I will be looking for you. So, any I think that was greatly inferred. Yeah, no, it, it was it was very clear to, to the point that uh, from what we are hearing now, uh, everyone at AEW was aware of it because hell, it was all over social media to the point right. that they informed security that uh, hey, keep <laughs> keep an eye on things. You know, there there might be an issue here, and I guess what ended up happening according to TMZ and all this stuff is now we uh, the story shook itself out is uh, Andrade, of course, that's like he said, true to his word, he had an eye out for Sammy and was watching for Sammy. And once he finally saw Sammy, he made sure he jumped on him and got some shots in and it didn't amount to much, but he definitely physically went after Sammy. And apparently it was broken up very quickly and Andrade was sent home. Sammy was still on the show last night in the main event segment, as you can see if you watch Dynamite, and didn't have any outwardly, you know, marks on him. Now like he showed up with a black eye or any noticeable huh. scratches or anything. No, so I definitely. If you didn't know, you wouldn't have known. Sammy yeah. came out and did the, the, the match. If you were watching on TV and you don't know what we're talking about, you, you would probably wonder why does DC absolutely hate Sammy mm-hmm. for <laughs> seemingly no reason? Um, and, and, you know, that's just, that just is what it is. But I do think that one thing that is, that is interesting about it is obviously the reaction online. And of course, you know, there are those, and it's it's a partisan debate. Number one, if you hate Sammy, Sammy Guevara, you are absolutely reveling in the fact that he, you know, had an altercation at some point, uh, justice, blah. If you are on the side of, you know, the business, well, this does not make the business look good. This is not good for uh, the guys in the back. This is not good for the public perception. Um, it seems that the inmates are running the si- asylum. Uh, Khan needs to get a handle on this. And this is a thing that we've been saying for the past, well, year. Since uh, the Big Swole thing happened literally New Year's Eve this year. Shit is, shit is not right. Khan needs to get ahead of this. We've been saying that since the Big Swole thing. And that was New Year's Eve. It is October. Well, well, yeah, definitely an ongoing theme for the past couple months. And so I buy the part from the reporting that there wasn't much to it once it happened. There was also talk today that I guess when Andrade got there, that I guess he he met with Tony and essentially something was said to the extent of, you know, there's not going to be any trouble. And I think t- those rumors that Tony may have told him, look, if you get in a fight, you're not going to be fired over it. <laughs> Cause there's of course a lot of speculation. Is this happening on purpose? Is this Andrade trying to find a way out of AEW by right. taking things to this level, which who knows? I mean, it's, I'm not going to say it's not, there's no chance. I'm going to say that. 
that's you're gonna dumb. say there's no chance that <laughs> yeah that's that's dumb because there are other ways uh, as MJF, mjf has laid the blueprint there are other ways to uh twist the knife and, and directly speak to management in a public manner uh you know picking a beef with sammy Guevara uh isn't one of those things uh and and and, and to be fair let's say that he does really want to get out but that also contradicts the last month or so He's in a cushy position at the head of his own faction. He brought in his best friend. Uh, you know, Dragon Lee you know, it does hang around AEW at times. And, you know, so like, what else is he, what else could he possibly want? He's, he's doing, has all these things and he works half of what a WWE schedule will be. And he doesn't have to deal with Mexico other than a couple uh, of, of, of loose ends that he's trying to tie up, which kept him out of the Forbidden Door pay-per-view back in June. So if you are Andrade and you're angling to like exit AEW post haste, why? So that you can he can see his girl or his uh, wife more. Well, he works half the time. So why would he see her more anyway? Uh, so that he can make more money. How is he going to make more money working half the schedule that a WWE guy was going to make? So what what's the what's the end game here for him to pick a very well not a very public fight because it didn't happen on, on TV, but for him to pick a backstage fight with Sammy Guevara. But then, or now here's the thing, and I'm going to go out on a limb, and I don't know if the limb is going to hold me up, but I'm going to go out on a limb. <laughs> Andrade needs the rub. I'm not saying that you know this has nothing to do with his acumen as a wrestler. We know that he's a great talent. We know that he's there because he should be there. But what he isn't doing is resonating with the crowd in a meaningful way. He hasn't. He's in a faction, and the faction's kind of stagnant. His position is kind of stale. He's no closer to a championship than when he got there. And if anything, Rouge versus uh, bubble-headed dumbfuck Adam Page, not my words, somebody quoting somebody else, uh, was actually fine, and Andrade wasn't necessarily missed by me. Yet, he's almost this Robin Hood-like folk, uh, folk hero taking down the obnoxious brat Prince Littlejohn, uh, played by Sammy Guevara. <laughs> I'm just saying. People are speaking about Andrade in a in a meaningful way for the first time since he's coming to AEW. Yep. Again, big picture thinking, this is a good way because he, and if he knows that he's not going to get fired, because apparently that's the thing that was said, this is a good way to get the marks, the dirt cheeks and the rubes like us talking about him in a way that goes, does he still work there? Or, Hmm. Last time I saw him, he was dragging Ric Flair around, literally putting brass knuckles in his lifeless body so that he can finish the match. That's the biggest thing that Andrade's done this year is drag a half-dead Ric Flair across the ring to make the cover. And that was last month. So, and it's October. So realistically speaking, since we are talking about Andrade, there were El Idolo chants. Mm. Hashtag free El Idolo was a thing on Twitter this past week. I'm just saying, it's kind of conspicuous that after the Eddie Kingston thing, you know, when people kind of took to Kingston as this folk hero, you know, bad guy, you know, anti-hero type of deal beating up on Sammy, who's a person that the internet loves to hate. Cool. Now he's doing spots for Mental Health Awareness Month. Now Eddie Kingston is, is, a, is obviously he's a prominent guy because he's Eddie Kingston and he's just been in the fucking business for 87 years. Um, but Eddie Kingston's kind of a thing now. Andrade, 
Yeah, he said what he said, but then he also didn't just go and squash it behind the scenes. He escalated it. He made a candid statement. Or he, he didn't say, like, listen, there's a story that I want to tell you about, but nah, I ain't go, I'm not going to do that to him. He buried his co-worker on the record. And that wasn't that wasn't a slight thing. Right. I'm just saying maybe, just maybe, Andrade saw a way to get the rub. And now look at what we're doing. We've been talking about it for 16 and a half minutes. <laughs> get in here, Damien. We got to hear from you. So I'll, I'll go the other way about the anti-Sammy contingent uh, that, that has been developing. Um, I saw it somewhere on social media, and I agree with this. It's almost like in prison or in jail, there's always that one dude that's the chin check dude. The Uh-oh. one that you know you can get over on because he's a, and pardon the French guys, he's a little bitch, even though oh. people act as if he's not. So Jamal brought it up. Kingston came for him first. If we go even beyond that, before that, it was the Sasha Banks commentary, you know, where he had to go to sensitivity training. Mm-hmm. Kingston came for him. Now, of all the people Andrade in that Latino interview he could have mentioned, he mentions the only other Latino dude that he's probably had a problem with working. And who is it? Sammy Guevara. Why? Because he's chin check dude. Everybody, it seems, in the locker room knows he's the dude that's going to say the words little bitch on Twitter, and it sounds like you're whining. Easy like, target. There's, there's levels to this. Yeah. Like, you could say little bitch in a deep voice, and, like, you sound menacing like Big Rames. And then sometimes you could say it like, no disrespect, to Mr. Bean, and then it's like, oh, no. And I feel like if Sammy tries to say it with his chest, it makes him look even more like a sucker. If we're going to talk backstage, if we're going to talk just him in general, this mofo is a literal heat magnet going back to his time in the Indies. He had a reputation here in Texas of being too big for his britches. Don't forget. Yep. Uh, Trust me. That's part of the reason I'm saying it. (laughs) The amount of people at Circus who checked him on his ego. This is not isolated incidents. This is a reoccurring theme. And admittedly, people have said he's improved before he got to AEW. Was it Wolf in Sheep's Clothing and now he's acting like a petulant child? Because we forget, was he 27? Look, I did a lot of dumb things when I was 27 years old, but continuously antagonizing my coworkers was not one of them. Okay, this kid, it seems as if you know how I get mad at Grayson Waller because it's all about the views and the clicks and the this, that? <laughs> Sammy Guevara is the living embodiment of that kind of superstar in today's age. The social media age, the like this, the vlog that, the retweet this. And for what? You're more famous now for marrying Tay than actually wrestling. Your shenanigans, your bang bust shenanigans are more famous than your actual wrestling because he can't sell worth the damn. If you watched watched his matches. So that's one thing. Number two, I've never seen a man more in his feeling than this man. Like that, and I'm going to sound grumpy. It's the new age, man, of I was slighted. I'm going to get social media support. I'm going to get the people riled up in my corner. Guess what, kid? They don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) It's like nobody likes you. Like, chill the F out. You've had lackluster title reigns. You're... Granted, your first match on AEW against Coaster put you on the map in that organization. 
because it's three years old of Dynamite, so happy anniversary, happy birthday, Dynamite. But this dude, from his vlogs to the way he interacts with people with his ego, it's like, my man, you know what you need? You need to get stomped out by everybody to learn a little bit of humility. And I think that's part of it. It's like athletes are given too much too soon and they get comfortable, especially young athletes. Young, good-looking, has a hot wife in, one, in the second biggest wrestling company in America. And he's got an ego. And I feel like lately he needs to be a little humbled because in the interview Andrade's gave, he goes, look, John Cena didn't even bitch about me working too stiff. Sheamus, no one bitches about Sheamus working stiff. Sammy's nowhere near that shit. Idolo's nowhere near that. But at the very least, he made a mention like, look, I've worked with a whole bunch of better talents than Sammy Guevara and they never complained. So how much of it is a little boy crying over spilled milk after a while thinking your brand is going to continue to antagonize people on social media, working yourself into a shoot, brother. But when people go backstage and beat the crap out of you or punch you dead in the face, because I wrote down the term on site. Sammy got caught on site and he fucked around and found out on social media. So be careful what you put out there, kids. Let's learn from Sammy. Let's be careful calling people a bitch if you think you're doing a, a work and it turns out to be a shoot and you get punched in the face. So okay. that's a good lesson for young wrestlers out there and young kids on social media. Watch what you say because you might get your ass beat. I want to I counter to literally everything you just said except the last bit. Do watch what you say uh, before you're going to get your ass beat. Um, however, so let's go back all the way back to the beginning. Um, sure. If you are an entertainer, you have an ego problem. Full stop. You have to be a bit of an egomaniac to put yourself out there uh, you know, in spite of the critique in spite of the uh, the shaming, in spite of the bullshit that goes with it, in spite of the internet culture, which is I get to say whatever I want without recourse because I'm just an IP address. So that's what that is. You have to be a little bit more than thick-skinned. You gotta gotta be a little bit more of an egomaniac. And for a guy whose gimmick on the indies was the best ever, well, that is what it is. Now, the Sasha Banks thing. How did that come about? Because as I remember it, that was a three-year-old interview with a Know Nothing mm-hmm. podcast that came out because the podcast tried to make a nickel off of Barry and Sammy Guevara. That's not his fault. Now, he said what he said, but he also went three whole ass years, you know, after removed from that incident, from that those mm-hmm. un, unfathomable words that he should not have said without incident. So it's not like he's a repeat offender. It's not like he had a history of saying, you know, stupid shit like that on public in public. Yet here, hand over fist, tripping with their over, over their own dicks to get out and bury this guy because he made it to AEW, where arguably he shouldn't have. That's a different problem. Doesn't matter what he should have done. He's here now, and y'all mad. So they got the tip jar out. Patreon.com slash who gives a fuck. And here they come looking <laughs> look, looking to hate. All right. Well, okay. <laughs> And that resolved itself. Sensitivity training. Takan de- donated some money to a women's shelter. Water under the bridge. Him and Banks are cool, and that's really all that matters. But let's understand how that happened. We had we could have lived our entire lives without knowing that that should have exi- existed because nobody listened to the podcast. Right. It's not like he went on Larry King and said some stupid shit like that. So then let's go forward. He, um, his actual real life girlfriend, who is a normal person, she is not an entertainer. She did not have the disposition of an entertainer. She's a nurse. Mm-hmm. And 
he put her in the spotlight. She did not want it. It was yeah. obvious that she did not want it if you watched her on their vlogs from that time. So when their very public uh, you know, proposal fizzled out some months later, why are we surprised at that? It's clear if you watched it, his vlogs, she did not want that. And, you know, uh, she's out there now. She's in some and an, her Amish best uh, out there um, and not necessarily dressed for television. He looks like Sammy Guevara for what it's worth. And people went, damn, this homely, lovely looking, um, you know, Houstonian got traded up for take on. Goddamn. Well, that's not how that, that's not how that happened either. Nobody, people assumed that's what it was, but the real is probably somewhere in the middle. He does work with a co-worker. He's not Ume Yodoka, just saying, but he does work with a co-worker, and they made a professional move as adults to terminate their relationship, and he moved on. She moved on. God bless you, Pam, whatever you're doing in life. That's none of our business, even though he presented it to us, but that's not also his fault. Things don't have to work out the way that it worked out. And it is what it is. That's that's fast forward. The Eddie Kingston thing. He said what he said live. Well, not live to tape. They were. He said it in the ring, taping and rampage. Right. It made it past uh, the, the drafts. It made it past con. He said it into a live microphone, which was recorded by patrons in the audience. Mm-hmm. How did it make it so far? only to be deleted after the fact when Kingston went apeshit backstage and said, nah, we ain't doing this. Scrap the bit. I called you a fat piece of shit. You know, because the character. I'm an egomaniac. Yeah, but you can't call me fat, so that ain't, that ain't You cool. didn't clear that with me. <laughs> you didn't clear that with me. Apparently it wasn't clear. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, how did it make it the air? And that's the thing. So if we're talking about the transparency, it's not like you can just, he just ran out and stole a microphone and went rogue. This wasn't a CM Punk pipe bomb, which was also planned. But the bottom line is, is that the people that needed to know knew. Sammy was the guy who said it. Kingston had a problem with it. And instead of, uh, you know, handling it, you know, in, in a way that where he could have gotten together with uh, talent relations and, and hash, hash this out, he pie faced them. No, that's assault. Full stop. That is assault. You keep your hands to yourself, regardless of whether you like them or not. Oh, OK. So when they actually did the spot. They ran the shit anyway. Hey, he literally said on national television, live this time, I'm sorry for calling you a fat piece of shit because what I meant to say is you're a really fat piece of shit and they had the match. And the match was what it was and nobody cares. How is that Sammy's fault again? The system in the back is broken. He's just a cog in the machine. So let's fast forward further. (laughs) Andrade does an interview naming Sammy. Nobody knew this until he put it out there and said, yo, this little... You know, these damn kids are soft. I know they don't take talking about <laughs> these damn kids with their Game Boys. What is this motherfucker here talking about? I hit him too hard. Well, give me a receipt then. Well, wait a minute. Just because that's the way you would handle that situation where you're obviously not him. You right. can't demand a receipt. What if you don't want to do that anymore? What if the culture has changed in Mexico or in the U.S. or wherever where, you know, that's not what you do. It's a dance, not a brawl. You want to you want to give somebody a receipt? Go with um, Paige Van Zandt to bare knuckle uh, boxing, and and handle that shit. Go to UFC. But this is a dance. It's performance art. So if you're like God, you stiff me. No, don't stiff me. We need to work together on this. And one could argue that whether the conversation happened or not, 
which there is some discrepancy as to whether it does. Sammy say it never happened. Andrade say it did. And that's the crux of his argument. Your first reaction shouldn't be, yeah, you's a bitch. You're, I mean, especially if you're trying to solve this amicably. So how is it Sammy's fault who gets called out and this thing makes the rounds on the internet for being less than masculine in a hyper-masculine sport by the guy? And then when he reacts, appropriately so, he says, well, hey, you know, this is what it's going to be. And then eventually it says, all right, cool. I'll see you Wednesday. But your match isn't until, until Friday. I'm going to see you Wednesday. And then he pulled up on him. Well, I'll be damned. So I know that a Sammy gets a lot of, of, of heat for things. And I haven't even talked about the actual unforced errors that he wanted, you know, that he wanted to do. It, it was not good timing to endorse Ric Flair doing the dark side of the ring episode making the rounds. It was not good, um, a good timing to endorse Chris Delia um, for after his uh, alleged allegations and should have came out. Yeah, maybe don't do that. Also, Joe Alonzo was his best friend. We saw what happened to his dumb ass, too. Again, <laughs> again, I'm not saying him being a 27-year-old shithead isn't a real thing. But what I am saying is that the things that they remember aren't exactly playing out the way they actually happened. And it seems that Sammy gets away with a lot when the actuality is people are coming for him because, to your point, Damien, they perceive him as a little bitch. And that's the unfortunate part about it. And this is neither Sammy's fault nor Andrade's fault. It's the fault of the system. The system is broken. And we've been talking about that since the Big Swole incident, New Year's Eve this year. The system is broken. That's on Khan. That's on Christopher Daniels. That's on Tony Schiavone and whoever the hell else they got that we don't know. But if they don't fix that, it's not, I don't blame you know, people for handling things the way they were handling. Obviously, Andrade prefers a punch in the mouth. And Sammy prefers to talk it out. Cool. But that's not the way the company should, the company needs to dictate right. how people handle that. Not the, uh, not the town. And that's what, that's what that really is. There you go. So that's Randall, what before get. we go to break, before we go to yeah. break, another wrinkle I, I was thinking of while Jamal was talking is remember the kind of the, remember the society we live in now. Everything is for the public consumption now. All these backstage fights, all the innuendo, all the, the, the whispers. 20, 30 years ago, we didn't have the social media era in professional wrestling. People had disagreements. They took it out in the ring. They gave each other receipts, and which, which we didn't even know about when we were kids. And then if they had backstage altercations, Bruiser Brody notwithstanding, it got squashed then and there. So we live in a world now where every little fight is being leaked to the dirt sheets. Every little dis discontent is being talked about. Shows like this, or people like Sean Rossap, who make a living off of things like this. So how much is it, I agree with Jamal about they need to tighten the ship at AEW, but also I'll, I'll give the vets a little bit of like fire here and say, y'all know the world we live in now, right? Y'all can't just be walking up like kangaroo court backslapping someone five fingers to the face like Rick James and then not thinking you want to catch some sort of public, you know, whatever. So a lot of it too on the vets to be the vets of this business to show professionalism, how it's done, you know, it's going to get leaked. Don't like, we need to stop having these fights backstage, this whole, you know, macho, blah, 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 like, yo, handle it in private, keep it off social media as best you can. And that's that. And I think that's something the old guard needs to start realizing as well. 
Yeah, it does That's go both ways. Oh, real quick, it does go both ways. But I think to that point, though, it is more of an issue of you can't teach what you don't know. If right. you grew up and you've worked the business for 30 years, like a Jericho, and you never had social media until 10 years ago, mm-hmm. how can you teach 10 years of social media experience when the kids today are born with it? So that's the thing right. that's also one problem. But it's also uh, a lack of direction from the company. We all have jobs and we all, you know, uh, get paid from a higher power. And the bottom line is, is that we also know within the parameters of our job where social media intersects. For me, it's a no go. I can't use my real name on social media because my job forbids it. And, and, and it's an extreme case, but other people may or may not have it worse. We know that. But that's what the company says. Does AEW have a similar policy? And a question that for after the break is, do we need the dirt sheets? Because a lot of this stuff, especially the Samoa Joe thing, not Samoa Joe, the Eddie Kingston thing, that's, mm. that thing was over and done with, and nobody knew until a week after it happened, and Kingston had already yeah. served the suspension. So realistically, do are the dirt sheets doing more harm than good? Yeah, we can get into all that. I think that that is the larger conversation here is now that we're months into this is how does AEW write their ship or like clean up their locker room or get this situation under control? Because this is just now an ongoing constant thing of backstage drama there. So we're going to get into that after the break and we're still going to get to extreme rules, folks. So stay with us. Your Big Gold Belt podcast keeps rolling along right after this. Big Gold Belt Media is your golden standard for all of your media needs. Visit BigGoldBelt.com for pro wrestling info, movies, comics, and even more digital content. On all of your social medias, follow us at Big Gold Belt all across the board. Listen to this show and more on your SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, folks. Your big old belt podcast is rolling along on another fine Thursday night. And it's that time of the evening where we like to put the spotlight on the indies. So here is Jamal with this week's big old belt podcast. Indie Wrestling Spotlight. Uh, yep. And it's coming to you this and that this weekend, not this weekend. It's October 15th. It is the weekend after this. And it's coming to you from the Durham Convention Center in Raleigh. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Durham, North Carolina, the Raleigh, Durham. Uh, area of North Carolina. It's the DPW Deadlock Pro Wrestling. It's the California, California, the Carolina Classic, October fifteenth, uh, twenty twenty-two, which is not this weekend, but the weekend after. Uh, Durham Convention Center on uh, three hundred one West Morgan Street in downtown Durham, North Carolina. One of the matches that I am very interested in, uh, yeah, Emmy Sakura versus Mace Ruga. You know, that's a huge deal for me. I'm a big fan of both of theirs, but they have the a Carolina Classic, it's an eight-man tournament, uh, which will lead to a four-way dance to, and for the finals. So that's, you know, a very interesting, uh, you know, construct that I haven't seen too often. So a uh, good, good time down there in Durham 
at the convention center for DPW's uh, new show, the Carolina Classic, uh, coming Saturday, October 15th. Uh, you can go to dpwtickets.com, uh, deadlockpro.com if you want to you know, know a little bit more about Deadlock itself. They're one of the better indies on the East Coast, really came out of nowhere and uh, put on some uh, some great matches, brought in some great talent from uh, really all over the world. So if you're not following Deadlock anyway, you know, that's a, definitely a thing that you should do. If, um, you know, <laughs> a lot of the times the women's matches that I want to see make it eight minutes on uh, elevation or something like that. But then Deadlock, run it back and they'll give you a 40 minute classic. So um, DPW, the Carolina Classic, Saturday. Uh, the 15th of October in Durham, North Carolina at the Convention Center, uh, deadlockpro.com, dpwtickets.com. Uh, and I think first row is sold out, but there's still a, a few tickets left. So go ahead and get them while you can because uh, this show will more than likely sell out. And that's the Indie Spotlight for this week. Awesome, awesome. So to get back to our prior conversation as we try to put a button in this AEW situation that is just... An ongoing, just I don't even know if drama is the right word anymore. It just it, it's been going on, like you've been saying, the, the first the first rumblings of this were the beginning of the year with that darn interview when Big Swole started talking about the structure there and just lack of organization and just how things just weren't cohesive and getting done there. And now it's snowballed throughout the year to where we are now and. I don't think there's an easy answer to this, but it's really feeling like it's reached a critical point where like drastic changes of some sort probably need to be made to get things under control there. Cause you can't, you can't have people fighting every darn month backstage. <laughs> well, shoot, I don't even or, think it's been a month. Or <laughs> we can so we have celebrity death match. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we are talking about this. Yeah, we're 40 minutes into the show, and the big thing that happened this week is this. So, you know, Bischoff is right. Controversy can create cash, but, uh, you know, the the big thing about this is, does this resonate outside of the bubble? You could argue that it ultimately does, you know, it does to some degree because TMZ was running with a story that they retracted. You know, I'm seeing Uproxx and other, you know, uh, fringe media, you know, pick it up. So, yeah. But then again, there's a difference between, you know, good news and you know news for the sake of being talked about right and that's what i would counter this with is yes we've been talking about this for 40 minutes but the problem is we're not actually talking about their show we're talking about drama with people on the show that has nothing to do with the actual show none of this happened in the ring that you were you know we're watching last night when you were down there at the convention center for the uh for dynamite sammy was there but this didn't factor into all that so one thing that occurs to me, okay, we hit, we have these rumblings of, pe- you know, there's three guys that really want out, and you know, Andrade is rumored to be one of them allegedly. So w- one way of looking at this, you know, we've had taught this talk from between the last fight and now this one, should some people be fired, regardless of whether you know it sets a bad precedent or the consequences thereof? Are we at the point where some heads need to roll? to send a message to the, to the greater locker room there, do you think? Only the people that are supposed to be controlling the locker room, like talent relations, I think those are the people that need to get fired. Yeah, I don't because, know how to get yourself a job. 
you know, because personally, look, it, all sports, look at NBA. J Draymond Green just punched his teammate Jordan Poole yesterday in practice, right? Are they going to fire them? No. They're going to keep it in-house. There's going to be a public apology, and we keep it moving. In wrestling, we've always had talent relations, kangaroo court, people backstage putting out fires. Not everyone's going to like each other when you're co-workers. This is normal stuff. It goes back to what we asked before the break about the dirt sheets. It wasn't until the advent of the dirt sheet and the behind-the-scenes peekaboo where this all started getting out, and now it's a bigger deal than the actual wrestling itself. And in AEW's case, again, happy birthday, three years, but now everyone's more interested in who's fighting backstage yep. than who's wrestling in the gosh darn ring when MJF is might be doing a weird face turn, but no one's talking about it because Idolo smacked Sammy upside the head. So if anything, the talent doesn't have to be fired. If it's like you said, Jamal, if it's assault and like somebody wants to press charges and be that way, cool, if that's the world we live in now, great. Then yes, heads can roll. But if you want to just squash it, move on, keep the show going, great. But you need more people at the front and back of the house to make sure this shit doesn't keep happening every week. Or find out who your moles are, who's leaking it to the sheets, something to do better to keep this under wraps. So we're talking more about your product, not about your soap opera that isn't yeah. in-ring wrestling. Yeah. Who ran to TMZ last night? Because that story was up before Dynamite even Quick. went on the air. Quick. So someone got that story to them quickly, and then, hell, it got corrected while Dynamite was on. So mm -hmm. pe people are talking there. It's, that, that, that's, that's part of it, I think. But... Yeah, I, okay, so if you're not, if you're not, heads aren't rolling. Here's another thing I thought of with just how this is going. And I keep going back. I keep going back to that damn press conference and how <laughs> Punk sat there right next to Tony mm -hmm. and just publicly undermined him and just publicly, you know, was pretty, essentially disrespectful. And just like, you know, I was like, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk shit about this company right in front of the boss. Right. And how Tony did nothing. So like the people that saw that, that work there, I just keep going back to it. It's like, how much did his respect level change in that instance where it's just like, damn, he just, he just like said all this shit and you just sat there and you just took it. You, you didn't do a thing. It's like, that's the kind of guy you are. It's like, it's, it, it makes me wonder if like, I don't think there's an issue with Tony creatively. But I'm wondering when it comes to the management side, if there maybe needs to be a talk that there needs to be other people running the management yes. of this company while he handles only the creative because damage has been done as far as him being viewed as a boss. And, and to your point, well, not just anyone to like be the sheriff. It's someone who has experience in the wrestling industry mm -hmm. that can deal with these egos in a non-passive way that basically can go to talent and say, cut the shit, you know, mm -hmm. before it even gets to Tony. So he doesn't even have to worry about that. And this is another issue that people have with Tony Khan is that he's a fan that happens to have a lot of money and runs a promotion. And what happens when fans run promotions? The you inmates run the asylum. Right. <laughs> what was that, Jamal? You getting over pro. <laughs> yes. Oh, you and the then story they of many indies. Of many indies, <laughs> but that's part of the problem. It's like when the look Vince for whatever Vince did bonding with the bros backstage, 
it was Vince because at some point in time, Vince decided to get in the ring and actually wrestle, take bumps, what have you. He earned their respect, not just signing the paycheck. Somewhere along the line, and all of Tony Khan's hugging and you know, and, and handshaking and, and kissing babies with AEW, his level of respect either wasn't always there or like to your point, Will, man, lately it's just taken such a hit that all the inmates are like, fuck it. We're not getting fired. So we're just going to do what we want, like the Wild West, and then we're going to see what happens. And that's where we start. That's where it has to start. It starts at the top with Tony, hiring the right people to put the kibosh on any of this stuff happening in the background. And then HR, what are you doing? As someone who has worked in HR before, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, is there no policies and procedures in place that alleviate this stuff that can put, like you said, Jamal, can stop the uh, social media leaking can stop everybody running the Twitter, anything, just to put the kibosh on this and run it as an actual business and not a su- and not an indie, because they're forgetting they're on national television. They're not Wrestle Circus. They're not Nova Pro, where they're running like in small venues. You're on national goddamn television. Start acting like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. It's uh, you know. It's understanding the people that you work with as well. You know, Khan did say like, "Well, not everybody's going to like each other," and and all this other stuff. And that, that's that's fine. That's true. But it seems that as though there are those that don't really seem to have. You got to think about the business as well. Right. Uh, you know, I'm a contractor when I go to work, and though I'm not particularly interested in my company making money, I am interested in upholding the the contract and fulfilling it. And, you know, there are certain things that I can and, and cannot do. And there are certain buttons that I will push and, and won't push. And the bottom line is that at the end of the day, yes, I do want to do a good job. But I also you know, want to make sure that I'm about to come back tomorrow because, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not just getting the job. It's, it's keeping it now as far as as far as firing people and stuff like that. That's a contract decision. Is there a morals clause in there that says, well, if you do this or if you're no a known leaker or whatever the moral dilemma is that they have, is that a thing that is that a fireable offense in Boston? Yeah. Apparently the rules are cut pretty cut and dry that if you have a, uh, a moral dilemma, they will fire you or suspend you indefinitely and then fire you after a year, which is weird. But either way, <clears throat> we don't know if AEW has that kind of provision. I think the big thing is, in general, how much of this affects the backstage um, morale um, to see your co-workers and, and other, some some talent. You know, Uno tweeted, uh, Ricky Starks tweeted a similar thing, and the paraphrase is just like, why can't, I wish my co-workers would shut the fuck up sometimes. <laughs> and, and, you know, we were seeing a lot of those tweets come out. Uh, you know, one of them, one of the FTR, I think it might be FTR with hair, uh, tweeted out a similar thing saying like, hey, you know, we've heard a lot of stupid shit over the past couple of uh, weeks and months. Just, um, you know, there's more important things to worry about. Say hi to your loved ones and, and, and stuff like that. So, yes, it is a thing. I do think that it is a, um, a problem that has plagued AEW from the beginning. Um, and I, and it, unfortunately, it may actually be a, a bruise on Khan's ego to say that he, maybe he doesn't have full control of the situation. 
And, you know, I'm not a mental health expert. I'll leave that to Damien. But at some point, you got to know when to ask for help. Right. And that may be the hardest hurdle. The first step may be the toughest step to climb. And knowing when to ask for help is a make or break, uh, you know, scenario for some in certain situations. And I think we're at that situation now where we're seeing not necessarily cracks in the armor because there's a lot to criticize AEW for. But we're also seeing that backstage, as we learn, you got to know when to, when to say when and ask for help. And and we know, and Khan needs it. He needs a, a manager. He needs a, a CEO that can oversee things and report to him. The only thing Khan really should do is show up for Wednesday, press the button, go live, and go back to his lounge and have eliminate or White Claw, whatever the hell. But that's not it. He's running himself ragged, and then there's still Ring of Honor. There's still the, the darks. There's still the logistics. There's still everything else. And that's just with this company. And he runs like four. Yeah. He can't do it all by himself. That's something I was wondering last. I keep thinking back on that three-year thing. It's like, is he maybe reaching the point where it's just it's all just catching up with him? Three years of this and between Fulham and, and the football team and this. It's, it's just he's been spinning all these plates and he just is he's it's starting to hit the point where like you know some of them are starting to fall because he just, he can't do it all and I don't know if, if that's what's going on but like we said hell it's the three year anniversary can can he keep this up or does it keep you know do more cracks start forming that's gonna yeah. hell th- through the rest of the year I think that's gonna be kind of the big story with AEW because hell and that's been their story all year is that there is just a, a lot of turmoil and drama going on with that company and i'm not sure where it goes from here but goddamn, if it doesn't seem like someone needs to take the wheel or at least grab the wheel with him and like steady it at the least help steady the ship Mm -hmm. yeah so so the two questions that i want to ask you know the people listening watching uh, however you're consuming this if you if you can hear the sound of my voice answer me this question on the twitter machine at big go bell does knowing about the backstage drama enhance your experience watching the program? That's the first question. Second question is, Do you would you like to know less or more than you know about the inner workings of the business now? So if you, so the first question, does the backstage drama enhance your experience watching the programs? Second question, do you want to know more or less than you know now about the inner workings of the business? At Bitco Bell on the Twitter. Let me know what you think. I have answers to that. We, we, we'll talk about that later because I want to get into extreme rules while we have time. But the bottom line is, is that I think that's kind of where we are, where it's too much information for yep. what really should just be a fun hour or two of a TV show. I, I don't, TV I've never show. gone, in, yeah, I've never gone into a Marvel movie or any movie really, but I've never gone into a Marvel movie knowing that, well, that best boy is pregnant or that, you know, uh, grip, that key, that key grip, grip got married. That, yeah, yep. yeah, right. <laughs> that key grip is, is a whore, you know, like I've never gone into, you know, uh, an, an Avengers movie and gone like, you know what? There's a, there's a second assistant director. That's a real piece of shit. And I know that. Mm-hmm. And that makes me really feel bad about this $25 I'm spending in IMAX 3d. <laughs> and, you know, and, and then again, there are those that know that because, they are those fans too, and don't get me wrong. You know the Marvel insiders will are their ears are burning right now. But yeah. it is kind of an interesting point of 
are we hitting a point of diminishing returns with the dirt sheets? And for me, that answer was, is a resounding yes. I just want to watch the show. Yeah. Um, unless yeah. somebody comes out with a missing arm or something that they can't explain, just let the show be the show. There you go. So with that said, let's switch gears. Let's talk about a different show since we got a different show going down this weekend. It's Extreme Rules Weekend in Philadelphia, folks. And as we broke down last week, this is kind of an interesting show for the first time in a Mm -hmm. long time with Extreme Rules. Because it's truly, I mean, it's not going to be ECW or nothing, but we do have gimmicks up and down the card. In every one of these matches, whether it's last woman standing, whether it's a, a Donnie Brook brawl, whether it's a ladder match, there's there's stuff going on in every match they got set up for this Saturday. So we're kind of entering the fall here. It's you know it's the beginning of I guess what's gonna end up being, I guess, probably culminating with Survivor series with war games in November. But for the first time in a long time. I would say Extreme Rules is very interesting this weekend. And hell, we didn't even take into account there is the uh, White Rabbit hanging over the head of this entire show, which I think, just just me saying here, I don't have any info about this. I think that all gets tied up this weekend at the show. I think that's going to be an added surprise. But let's throw it out there. Does Extreme Rules have your attention? Let's go to you first, Damien. Yes. In, in a word, yes. Uh, since we talked about it last week, I, I'll go down the card really fast. Liv versus Ronda, Extreme Rules match. Riddle versus Rollins, fight pit match with Daniel Cormier as the special guest referee. Drew versus Cross in a strap match. Bianca against Bailey in a ladder match, which I think that's going to be the one I really want to see. Mm-hmm. Edge versus Finn in an I quit match. And like you said, Will, the six-man tag, old-fashioned Brook match. So here's another reason why I'm liking it. It's a good mix. If you take out Edge versus Finn, it's a good mix of new up-and-coming talent that are getting a spotlight that aren't mm-hmm. just Roman and the Usos. I mean, we don't even have no Bobby Roman Lashley Reigns on the show. This. Yep, we don't have a Bobby Lashley match. No Sami Zayn. They may appear in like a, a vignette or something, but as far as in-ring stuff, if you keep this to six, maybe seven matches, this is shaping up to make it a really intriguing card because none of these matches have the same stipulation, which I think is is, is perfect to do. And, and a quick thing I, I've just noticed, the Brawling Brutes are over, more so Sheamus and Pete Dunn. I can't really speak for Ridge Holland. But if you would have asked me three months ago, if Butch, Pete Dunn now Butch, <laughs> and Sheamus is sometimes stale self, would have got over just by fighting, because let's be honest, that's they're good at that. I would have been like, hell no, because Butch looks stupid and Sheamus is getting tired. But now, thanks to, to Imperium and thanks to Valter, I am interested in seeing these six dudes beat the living hell out of each other just because, like you say, well, parental discretion is advised. <laughs> and is Bailey going to get the win back to make damage control the top faction in the women's division in all of Monday Night Raw? There's interesting things happening here. Could we see a double turn with Liv and Ronda? Because as much as people want to live to win the title, she hasn't been booked like even a plucky underdog champion. She's been booked worse than when Mysterio won the championship. 
pretty much, like tapping out when she won by a fluke. And then we get Riddle and Rollins, who are bringing real-life beef and insults in a better way than AEW's doing it to make this match even more sellable. So you know what? Kudos. Because I never gave two shits about Karrion Cross. Y'all know that. But a strap <laughs> match? I haven't seen a good strap match in years. And y'all know I've been watching wrestling for a while. That's worth watching. So kudos to WWE and Papa H for getting me interested. So, yes, they have my intention. Okay. Uh, the short answer is yes. And largely because logistically, it's on a Saturday. Mm, um, good I don't have to uh, you worry about an ending or what match is going to go when because, you know, 10 o'clock on a Sunday, I'm winding down and Monday morning it approaches. But now that it's on a Saturday, that's actually going to lead right into another good night of wrestling because Wrestle Princess 3 for Tokyo Joji Pro Wrestling is Sunday morning uh, in America. So, yeah, I can definitely see myself, you know, transitioning from Extreme Rules, which because of all of the gimmicks in Philadelphia, you know, a far cry from the show they had last year, which had like five singles matches. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, my interest is definitely peaked. I'm not going to say that I would be sad if I missed it, but my interest is definitely peaked for the time being. And considering that I can parlay that into another big wrestling show, yeah, it sounds like a, a big evening. On top of the fact that 24 hours earlier, you know, uh, Battle of the Belts will have been ended at midnight. So, yeah, sounds like a hell of a, a weekend for wrestling personally because there's so much going on, but it would be a harder you know, pill to swallow if it were on a Sunday. That's true. The, the Saturday night uh, formula does help. So, yeah, it's, it's got that going for it. I think the impression I get is there's a lot – there's. I think this is one of those shows that's going to sneak up on some people because it's not, of course, one of the classic big pay-per-views, but there's just enough intrigue, I think, between like the ladder match. And then I think there's a lot of people interested in that darn Donnybrook brawl just because Sheamus and Walter have just been beating the crap out of each other. And they will have a chance to do it again tomorrow night on SmackDown has a little teaser before the, the six way on a, Saturday. So the season premiere SmackDown tomorrow night will be running back. Actually, I'm calling him Walter and I keep forget it's Gunther. We must go by the, for the proper name. But Man, Gunther. I don't care what they want us to call him. He's still going to be Walter. I don't care about All Gunther. Right. Either way, they're going to beat the crap out of each other. We know that. Yes, That's sir. what matters here. As I said, parental discretion is advised. So we will have that as a little teaser before the show on Saturday. But there's, yeah, I think there's just enough. And then as we said at the beginning of this, other than all the matches, there's the white rabbit. So nice. I, I I think they pull the trigger on that on this show. I think they'll want people coming out of the show knowing what the deal with that is to lead into the season premiere of Raw on Monday. So I think I think that is their plan. They're gonna do some stuff on SmackDown, they're gonna do some big stuff on Saturday, and then Monday they'll probably do even more because then they'll start doing the real build for um the the crown jewel is coming up. At the end of the month, Ugh. with a uh, with Roman and Logan, so they gotta start going full uh, Saudi show build before we head into Survivor Series. So they got they got a big schedule ahead of them. I think they're gonna go big for this weekend. So it's for extreme. I can't think of the last time. Ex- hell, probably the last time Extreme Rules was this interesting was when they uh, did Brock and Cena. I'm thinking mm. when when was Brock first came back. 
No, before that, the, the the old old the one when he first came back, when Brock first came back and he beat the he beat the crap out of him with the chain and all this and oh, and then Cena won by some fluke. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cena Cena beat him, but it was like when it was when Brock first returned from UFC. So that was a long time ago, whatever year that was. But when I think of Extreme Rules, that's the show I think of as the last like I think kind of one where there was like, oh damn, this is like a big deal. So I think that was 2012, we'll wasn't it? That sounds about right. Around Holy that. Holy crap. You haven't been interested in Extreme Rules since about 2012. Well, I'm just trying to think the last time there was like a really big like buzz. But you're right. It, yeah. Because this has been a B-level pay-per-view. Some would say a C-level yeah. pay-per-view. So a premium live yeah. event. So yeah, intrigue. Yeah. Because that was the thing. Because that was the first time they had, you know, Brock returned and they immediately did him and Cena. And it was like, oh, damn, they're doing this here? Okay. So yeah, I think there there is definitely some intrigue, and like you said, I think it's also interesting that you know Roman's going to be on a SmackDown, but they're not loading the show up with Bloodline stuff, so it's going to be a different vibe. I think that's going to be cool. So, so I got a quick question for you, Will. Yeah, if you think the White Rabbit is going to get the trigger pulled on Extreme Rules, I'm looking at the card. Where would you pull the trigger on that throughout the course of the night? Do you open the show with the reveal? Or do you no. do it as a as a show closing moment? Oh God! Well, I would only do it as a show closing moment if it ties into a match. Correct. If it somehow, you know, it ties into a finish, or it ties into you know, he shows up and he's immediately this is who he's going to be feuding with. <laughs> so if you're doing that, then yeah, you do it as part of like a match. But see, I haven't even thought of that at this point. Like, where is this? You know, where does this fit? Where does in it as fit? far as like the mm-hmm. roster? Yeah, that I have no idea because there's a lot of directions they could go with that. But yeah, being we don't have see, part of me thinks this would be a good show, I think, to have Bianca and Bailey close. Mm, okay. You know, if, if they're not gonna do it, I mean, well, I mean, Rhonda and Liv, no. uh, you ain't closing the Riddle show with and that. Rollins, so, no. Yeah. Drew and Cross, no. Yeah, I think that would be the perfect way to close the close the show, would be Bianca and Bailey. Yeah, so if if we're gonna if it's gonna be tied into anything, God, I wouldn't want Seth Rollins getting stuck with that again, <laughs> considering how that went for him last time. If it is Bray Wyatt, but I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see. I think I could see them doing something where it's revealed what it is, but then mm. on Monday you do you find out where it's inserted with who, as far as like you know someone gets attacked on Monday. But right. I don't know. We'll we'll see. There's different ways they could do it. A- any other thoughts? on extreme rules as we've reached our hour here. I mean, it's, it looks like some, it's the most interesting I've been in the WWE pay-per-view in a while. That's not one of the big five yeah. or Saudi because yeah. actually am interested yeah. in the Saudi show. Yeah. It's, 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 and it's, it's intriguing enough that I think that they, I think it's going to be a newsworthy show. I think that's the best way to put it. It's not, it's not just going to be a show and you're like, uh, that's all that happened. I think I think there's going to be some some juice to this that some some interesting stuff will come out of it. So there we go. Extreme Rules this Saturday in Philadelphia. I'm sure we'll be talking about it next week. Is there anything else we got to get into before we, uh, before we, we wrap okay. this up? Real quick, not necessarily something that we got to get into, but one thing that I'm very excited about is Tokyo Joshi Pro's Wrestle Princess Part 3. <laughs> Um, it's um, this coming Sunday morning at uh, 2 p.m. Japan time, which is 1 a.m. in uh, America, uh, 10 p.m. out there on the West Coast, uh, 8 p.m. in Hawaii. The match that you don't know that you need to see. Now, if you know already, if you already know, 
Do you already understand? But Alex Windsor versus Miyu Watanabe. Uh, Miyu is probably my wrestler of the year. If I had to pick one right now with too much to go in the year, um, every she's been everywhere, uh, all over the place over there, and everything that she touches has turned to, if not gold and platinum. Uh, goddamn, she's good. Alex Windsor, uh, British wrestler, has come over, and she is the international princess champion, which is her their like secondary main title. Uh, then, of course, the championship match is Shoko Nakajima versus Yuka Sakazaki, who's both of them have been in AEW. That's going to be a fun match, too, to be expected. The match that I'm going to be up at 3 in the morning to watch is Mizuki versus Hyper Missile. You can't really go wrong. The entire card is bananas. If you already know, did you already understand? And if you don't, this is going to be one of the ones that you're going to, when you go, I wish women's wrestling did this, watch the show. There will be something for the masses. Um, you can get it on Wrestle Princess. Uh, that's what I subscribe to. It's 999 yen a month, um, free two week trial. Uh, not an ad, but I like it. Uh, I subscribe to it. And if you don't want to see it at one in the morning live, watch it on demand on Wrestle Princess. Uh, 999 yen, depending on where, who you ask, is somewhere around seven bucks US. Um, adjust your calculations accordingly. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, yes, Extreme Rules is just a very surprising deal this week, but Wrestle Princess 3 may be the biggest women's show in recent memory in about the last three or three to four to five months. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's that good. Um, and it, they will have English commentary too. So, so that's, that's the thing. If, if you can't listen to the Japanese for whatever reason, but yeah, go out of your way to see it. Uh, and I'm saying this sight unseen three days before it airs. So that, that's my big uh, thing this weekend that I know that we uh, haven't really had a chance to talk about, but yeah, it's going to be. And awesome. I'll say, I'll say this for, for my ending thoughts. The new announced teams for WWE were announced today. We're going to get Booker T on NXT. Yep. <laughs> Shucky, ducky, quack, quack. I need uh, Booker Lord T teaching and chase you immediately. Oh, like I God. Said, like I said earlier today, we are going to have Booker T calling Nikita Lions matches, and that is going to be something to uh, hear. I'm sure mm-hmm. it will be interesting. If, and I'm saying, I just want to use podcast so I can just listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. No. There we and go. Then, so it's going to be a then, big um, real quick. Sorry. Well, uh, Kevin Patrick joining the announced team full time and Jimmy Smith that not being brought back as the main raw announcer. Some may say that's surprising. Um, I thought Jimmy Smith did a, Adequate job, better than Adnan Verk, of course, but apparently the the higher ups did not like the way he called Monday Night Raw. So we're gonna have Kevin Patrick and Corey Graves, and welcome back to Kathy Kelly. If the Undisputed Era was back, they would have a nice little reunion because they always gave her shit on air, which I loved. And uh, shout out to Wade Barrett coming back home and being the head announcer. Oh, oh yep, good. Wade Wade Barrett to SmackDown. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. It, it's an interesting mix that they've got together for these shows. So we'll see. It's all start tomorrow night, I guess, with a 
Michael Cole and Wade Barrett on SmackDown for their season premiere. So like we were saying, between international shows, 